Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10-season show. Today, we're talking about Season 5, Episode 28, Girls on the Side. Mary, what happened this week? Kelly enters another phase of psychological recovery after the fire upon the release of her Seventeen magazine cover. At Steve and Jackie's insistence, she meets with Mark Magadan, who might as well be called Mark Magazine, in my opinion. This name is kind of dumb and hard to say. And she considers doing some more modeling work. But then she runs into Dana, Allison's now ex-girlfriend, and Dana's new girlfriend, and they're kind of mean. Kelly tries to get back in touch with Allison, who is apparently in love with her now, but won't tell her herself until she gets her last skin graft done. Ray is back in town and Mama Lou Ban wants to watch him play music at the pee pad. That's all fine, except she's been drinking again. On the night of the show, she gets plastered before Ray even plays and is cut off by Val after Ray asks Donna to get Lou Ann the fuck out of there before she causes a scene. That was a really long sentence. Sorry. <laughs> Lou Ann doesn't cause a scene at the pee pad, but she sure does on the way home, revealing to Don or not Donna, sorry, <laughs> revealing revealing to David and Claire that Val and Ray banged. David and Claire discuss what to do about that and decide to do nothing, except then they both let Val and Ray know separately that they know what's up. Val was supposed to watch a threesome movie with Dylan and Charlie, but can't because she has club stuff to do. Bummer, because Charlie was hoping the movie might lead to the real thing. Charlie tells Dylan that he was probably a gross old man in one of his past lives, so don't judge or whatever, and also get over Kelly. Brandon goes to Sacramento to meet all of the other student body presidents in California. He is relieved when CU is not the worst school in the state. Also, he needs Kelly to sign all of these pictures of her face for his new friends, and Jim, and Brenda. Jesse and Andrea get the news that Jesse got the clerkship in Boise. Andrea worries about the lack of opportunities for her career. Jesse also worries about that, apparently, so they don't go. Should we start at the beginning? Yes, please. Isn't that... That's a song. Is it from Sound of Music? I was about to say, are you thinking of the Do-Re-Mi song? I think I am. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, let's start at the very beginning. A very good place to start. A very good place to start. (laughs) We're at the beach apartment. Donna is sunbathing. And Kelly comes out in kind of an adorable little cover-up outfit Mm -hmm. to give Donna grief about skin cancer and tanning, which I'm very curious about. Well, we know that, obviously, Kelly is sensitive to heat, I guess we could say, Um, burning, and all of that. So I think it's more she's being overprotective of her own body because she already has burns. So she's like, she definitely doesn't want Donna to get burns of herself of her own. Um, but yeah, she doesn't go at it very tactfully here. <laughs> well, and even like Donna ends up being like, I'm hot. I'm going to go for a swim. Do you want to come with? And Kelly's like, uh, no, the ocean is cold. Well, yeah, because she makes a comments about it being like the first swim of the year or something like that so we presume this is like march february march 
That's a good point. I didn't look it up. It's definitely after spring break. So maybe like first week in April. Yeah. So the episode aired uh, in May, actually. So I would think it's maybe a little earlier than that, just because, like you said, early April, perhaps, because I feel like it's pretty warm in L.A. by this point. You would think so. I don't know. Maybe because they're by the water, it's a little chillier. Could be. Could be. But yeah, Kelly gets all huffy about asking to go for a swim, like very emphatically, like, Donna, I don't want to go for a swim. And, you know, you see her come out with her wrap still on her um, her arm slash wrist slash hand. And so you got to think it has something to do with like revealing that or, you know, it's not really about the sun. It's more about the bandage or, or whatever. Um, but it was just you could tell it was very touchy for Kelly. Yeah, that's a good point. She was probably like, no, I'm not taking my clothes off because I'm still concerned about my scars and I'm going to use the sun and the water as an excuse to do it. Yeah, exactly. That makes a lot more sense than Kelly just being in a sour mood for no reason. Yeah, for sure. And to make matters worse, a delivery woman comes to the door for Kelly once she goes back inside. And first of all, comment, uh, Kelly's hair is finally in a good place. It's past the mullet phase and into more of a cute bob, which I appreciate. Yeah, she's out of the Mrs. Brady. Yeah, she's no more Florence Henderson as she is. Can't think of another reference, but she just <laughs> looks good. So, um, yeah, it turns out Seventeen Magazine sent this package after a long time of just radio silence. Mm-hmm. Um, so for all intents and purposes, we probably as viewers kind of forgot that Kelly did this whole thing for Seventeen. Um, but no, nope, well, it's it's recover. It's right there. It's all framed and stuff. It's not just like a magazine. That would be silly to ship, but it's like framed and stuff. It's kind of adorable that they did ship her like a framed version of her cover, but it's also really yeah. funny to me that this is how she found out that it was actually happening. Like, yeah, that it was running and, and onto the presses, as they say. <laughs> which, okay, so this happens in a later scene, but Cindy comes home with the cover with the magazine from the grocery store, and I swear a couple episodes ago, we had this conversation about how Cindy was going to find it in the grocery store, and that's how she was going to find out that Kelly was on the cover. <laughs> I mean, the I way s- she reacted seems like, oh my God, what? <laughs> I mean, she was telling the checkout clerk, like, this is my son's girlfriend. See, this is a better thing than trying to show up to a restaurant being like, my son, the student body president of CU. Right. Exactly. My son's girlfriend, the Seventeen magazine model. Yep. So did you notice what all was on the cover when she held it up? Because this is a very pointed magazine cover for this show. I think the only thing I noticed was like college girl or college cool or something like that. Yeah, it was college cool. But then elsewhere on the, the cover, it says, ouch, when your boyfriend dates your best friend. Oh, quiz. Are you obsessed with your body? Guys talk about virginity. Oh, my God. How to say no. Oh, my God. I know. <laughs> wow. Did they just, like, put all their tough topics in a, in a hat <clears throat> and just pull one out and, like, that should go on the cover. That should go on the cover. I, like, I can only imagine that so much thought went into this cover and I'm – here for it like (laughs) as soon as I saw the ouch when your boyfriend dates your best friend I was like 
oh no, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it so much. Then we go to, we have the credits and we get Ray driving back from LA and, you know, all of our swooping B-roll of Ray driving on highways in California. Mm-hmm. And I honestly really love that he goes home to see Luann first. Oh, he goes straight home, like straight home to his mom's house. Don't love that he tells her that Valerie came to Reno and convinced him to come home and then was like, but Donna doesn't know, so don't tell her. Yeah. And I'm like, wasn't it Donna's idea for Valerie to go? That's what I thought, too. And I was like, did Val not tell Ray and Ray's not telling Donna, but Donna knows that everything like this. This relationship has an incredible lack of communication that is somehow bleeding into the rest of the friend group, and it's driving me bananas. Well, that and, like, later on, we get a scene where Donna thanks Val for convincing Ray to come home. So In front of Ray. Right. So I'm like, hold on. who Who's on first? What's on second? You know, like, what what's going, what's going on here? Uh, they don't know that we know that they know. <laughs> And meanwhile, Luann is just sitting here being like, well, I'm so glad you're home. Hey, did you know I've never seen you perform live? And every viewer on the DVDs is like, we haven't either, Luann. Same, mom, same. I wish we could. But oh, I guess our drinking problem keeps us from seeing him play live. (laughs) I would love to be on my best behavior and very overdressed in a whole outfit. Oh, we'll get to that outfit. Because that was like classic 90s mom wear but it, like, like hippie moms not like pantsuit mom you know what I mean honestly in that scene when she comes out and she's like how do I look and Ray was just like uh I was like is that a good <laughs> uh or a bad uh because I don't know yeah yeah but yeah so Luann says she'll be on her best behavior to come see her boy perform but you know we don't really 100% know what that means except that we can imply based on previous conversations, previous behavior, things like that, that it has to do with alcohol. Um, but yeah, like then Ray, I guess, or Donna shows up to see Ray and Ray does this weird thing where he's like, I'm sitting on my can for eight hours driving. I hate the word can for butt. I don't know. I just don't. It's a thing. But he doesn't want to sit down anymore, but he'll just dump Donna on the grass Honestly, like, I stopped this for a moment and I was like, how do you gracefully, like, go from standing to completely laying on the floor? You can't do it. Yeah. I don't no, believe it's possible. Did no, you you changed the, the camera angle. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's a lot of, like, he – I feel like he takes Donna down into a dip and then has to slowly squat, like, ass to ground and then lay her down and then, like, I don't know flip his legs out but the thing is is there's like a hitch at some point right because (laughs) Ray, (laughs) it sounds like it takes up so much time yeah like ray also has to like not be on his feet (laughs) well and donna has to be like a hundred percent in on this because at some point the farther down to the ground you go you're like i'm sorry what's happening here well and gravity yeah pulls you down so you're just like falling I'm just glad he didn't drop her on her head. Seriously, like, 
I don't want to be on my can. And then he drops his girlfriend <laughs> on her butt on the ground. <laughs> but you can be. <laughs> Just accidentally shoves her down. Yep. So then we get to go over to the Walshes and Brandon is going on a little road trip. So our boy Brandon is going to Sacramento to meet the other student body presidents across the state. This is such a lot. This is so made up. This is the most made up storyline I've ever heard. And we had Kelly in a fire and a cult this season. Right. Like this is such a... um. We don't know what other what happens at colleges. <laughs> I mean, it's like the task force for what for undergraduate education, but what I, about it? <laughs> I kind of wish this was like a task force moratorium, like one year later from the task force. We're doing this now, right? Right? Yeah, that would be better. I feel like that would make so much more sense. And then. Steve makes this comment about how he doesn't understand why it's in Sacramento because that's not a vacation town. And apparently, despite growing up in the the state, Steve does not know that Sacramento is the capital and where government happens. Well, and this was such a cringy little moment in this scene because it like there was no music overlaid. There was no background noise. And there was, like, longer pauses between actors just kind of, like, looking at each other like, he's dumb, right? Like, you know, very, like, in a crickets kind of way. They're expecting crickets to be playing in the background. But so I was like, ooh, this this pace is off. I wonder, I wonder if they, I don't know, cut one scene to, I don't know. Like, it just, I, it was a weird thing. It still feels like they don't know what to do with Steve. Like they were like, yeah. he has to be at the Walsh's. We have to have him established in this before Kelly shows up because he's going to get involved in the Kelly storyline. But then they're like, right. what do we do with him other than just have him stand there? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. You're Yeah. Yeah. You're right. That's it. Like otherwise it wouldn't make sense for Steve to just, you know, I guess walk in the in the house like a you know like a nosy neighbor like a leave it to beaver kind of situation because yeah Brandon lives there but it's not like Steve is close by well and it's very much like especially in this season that the friends don't just go to the Walsh's house unless there's something very specific happening like Mm -hmm. an intervention or Jim and Dylan have made up like right this is probably the first time in a while I would think that we've just had a friend just show up for Stop the sake by. of showing up and not needing mm-hmm. something yeah yeah 100 because every other time it's been like andrea needing to talk to brandon about her affair or whatever or david coming over to talk about meth i don't know <laughs> david only shows up for batteries of poor david poor everyone <laughs> yeah but then this is when we get the wonderful scene of cindy rushing in all excited about the cover um, and Kelly is just not excited. Like everybody around her has been super thrilled about her cover, but Kelly's like, oh, you should call Jackie. I'm sure she'd love to talk about it. And then we get to know a little bit more of the reason why she's so upset. And it's because 17 magazine doesn't know about the scars. Right. So mm-hmm. in, in her mind, she's thinking there's no way that a magazine who picture or who photographed me with out scars and with basically no blemishes is going to think that I'm beautiful with all these scars specifically because Kelly herself doesn't think she's beautiful. 
Yeah. And then true to form, Steve does not help this by saying, well, they can cover that up with makeup. Oh, my gosh. I mean. like, Kelly's reaction is 100% fair of her being like, oh, really? I didn't know that. Like, Steve. Like, not only was it insensitive in light of the fact that she just was a little vulnerable about her scars, it's also just, I don't know, so tone deaf. I mean, you don't th- – okay, Kelly has been to an actual photo shoot and had her, her picture taken professionally, had makeup touch-ups likely between segments of photos, probably had outfit changes, whatever. You don't think she knows they can cover it up with a little bit of makeup? Also, it's not the point. It's not the point. Well, and – this is not the first time that Kelly has had body image issues that right. Steve knows about. Knows it's about. not like he yeah. didn't know when she was taking the diet pills and the speed because she didn't like how she looked. Like he has been here before and there's just no growth. Steve is a yeah. stagnant character that doesn't do anything. I know. I'm really curious. Like I know how Steve ends up. I think I mentioned this last episode. I don't remember how he gets there, but – they just this whole season they haven't really known what to do with him no i feel like it's pretty constantly one step forward two steps back or like yeah. if he takes a step forward he immediately takes one step back and then they pretend that that step forward never happened mm-hmm. but kelly storms out brandon tells steve what all of us know and that steve should know is that kelly is upset because she's she thinks in her mind she's never gonna look like that again and that these scars are going to define her. And then Steve gets upset and is like, oh, my God, I wish I could do something. I feel so bad. And then Brandon tells Steve it's okay because he didn't start the fire. So we're just we're just forgiving Steve of all of his transgressions, which, like, he did not physically start the fire, but he is definitely culpable for everything that happened. Well, and even if he wasn't, and even if he was nowhere near the fire, the fact that you're supposed – um, really close friend is really like really upset about something you said that should be enough like mm-hmm. she snapped at you because of what you said not because of your you know deal like your involvement in the fire and this is the know. guy who still cla- like who claims he's still in love with kelly every other day yeah and like he never apologizes for any of this like she makes all these comments about how Jackie is so excited about her modeling career and like she said to tell Jackie to field all these calls and just push them off. And then Steve's response to all of this is to go behind Kelly's back to meet with Jackie to make Kelly mm. do something she doesn't want to do. Mm-hmm. But it's okay because it works out like, no, that's not how this works. Yeah, exactly. Kelly has stormed out in this moment and Brandon goes out to talk to her and this is actually like weirdly adorable. This whole like I've been having dirty thoughts about you for over 15 minutes. (laughs) I mean it's cute because like we've talked about Brandon and Kelly are actually a good relationship. They have good chemistry as actors and they kind of fit as a couple like and Kelly's been the the girlfriend to Brandon that hasn't brought out full Brandon all the time, you know, like she's even killed enough and she's, I don't know, she gets him to where he doesn't have to be 
hiding his relationship. He doesn't have to be competing for her attention. Like whatever has brought out full Brandon in the past, he just doesn't have to do because he trusts her. He loves her. He's comfortable, like in a good way, not in a complacent way. And yeah, so like the scenes that are romantic and, you know, sexual, sexually heightened or whatever between them are actually cute because their relationship works. It really does. Like I never expected to see Brandon on screen say, I've been having dirty thoughts about you for 15, 16, 17 minutes and like it. I know. It's so weird, but like it works. And especially that he says, like, I've been thinking about both that cover and you here. Like he very specifically says, the way you look now is what I am attracted to. Yeah. And and that is both what Kelly needs to hear and tells you that it really isn't about her looks. Like it's both validating in the sense that if it was about your looks, you would be perfect to me. But also, it's not about your looks, so it doesn't really matter what you look like. But she doesn't need to hear, it doesn't matter what you look like, I love you no matter what. What she needs to hear is, you look this way and I love you. Like, it's it's saying the same thing, but it's approaching it from two different ways. And mm-hmm. I think if Brandon had said it the other way, she would have gotten offended or at least insecure. Um, but because he says it the way he does, it works. Yeah, well, because that's kind of Steve did say it the opposite way of like, yeah, you can fix your flaws and then you'll be beautiful. Like, exactly. But no, it really works. Kelly is in a much better mood. They make out. And then we switch over to the peach pit where Dylan is staring at Kelly's magazine cover while he's supposed to be working with Charlie. Mm hmm. Yep. They're continuing to work on their screenplay. Um, they make some comments just about how Kelly can get it, I guess. And (laughs) Val walks up and asks to sit down and stay. Charlie says yes. Dylan says no at the same time, which I just, I kind of like love how Dylan is toward Val, just because I think we talked about either last episode or the one before that. There's no strings at this point. There's no, Mm -hmm. there's no bones about it. Dylan likes Val because she's his friend with benefits but she doesn't really care for her or he doesn't really care for her as a person. (laughs) But she knows that. He knows that. They're all on the same page. Yeah, I think she knows that and she just doesn't care. And she just comes over and is just like, I'll sit down. Can I sit down if I'm quiet? Yep. Which feels so unbranded. Yeah, exactly. Because we've talked about Val is lonely. She just Mm -hmm. wants people to hang out with and she wants people that she can be her actual self with. Well, and I love that little things do come out about her personality. So, mm-hmm. you know, Dylan starts talking about how the second act of Charlie's movie has turned into porn because there's a threesome, which I'm getting this weird feeling that Dylan is a very traditional person. Like, he doesn't believe in past lives. He doesn't believe in threesomes. He doesn't like tattoos. He doesn't like tattoos. Like, Dylan is weirdly very traditional and I think that surprised me yeah for being the guy that drives a motorcycle and surfs and wants to ditch you know like doesn't want to do the SATs because he doesn't want to go to college like all of these 
little things that, or I guess big things about Dylan's personality have told us Dylan is the bad boy, right? Mm -hmm. But no, Dylan might be the bad boy, but he also wants you to be the good girl. I like, I don't know. (laughs) Like Dylan is going to grow up to be Jim. Oh my God. But like the VC version of Jim, like he's just already going to have money. So he's not going to work, but he's going to be very traditional in his values and like his daughter can never date someone like him. And he'll constantly be like, I used to like cool things. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He's going to like keep that motorcycle forever and be like, I don't drive that anymore, but I used to. I mean, I could easily see Dylan just being one of those like get off my lawn kind of guys too. Like all the pesky kids out there skateboarding and rollerblading, whatever they do. Just don't do it on my lawn. <laughs> It's so weird, but, like, yes. And, I mean, even this scene – so, like, Charlie says it's not porn. It's an homage to Jules and Jim, which Valerie recognizes as a movie where it's, like, this woman who is in love with two different men, one physically, one spiritually, and it basically uh, launched, like, the French second wave or new wave. I didn't write down exactly what it was. Mm Mm-hmm. The new wave, yep. But the Dylan that – I expect would have known that. I mean, for sure. What was it like two seasons ago after senior year? He and Kelly just moved to France so that he could sit in cafes and read poetry. Yeah. And not only that, he was in that poetry class with Brenda. And, and I know poem or poetry and film is not exactly the same, but conceptually, I would think, you know, because he's so well read and, and so well versed and stuff. I, th- I mean, he's made. Casablanca references before he's made you know like all sorts of different references to to not just pop culture but like history right the history mm-hmm. of film and history of cinema and history of poetry and all that kind of stuff so you would think he would know that yeah but he doesn't and Charlie and Val are telling him all about this and Charlie wants to get together and watch the movie with all three of them mm-hmm. and then uh, I think it's Nat comes over and wants to get Kelly's cover so that he can show it off to other people, which is like just such an obvious thing to make Val jealous of. Yeah, exactly. He like comes over under the guise of refilling coffee or something and he sees it. And then, yeah, Val just gets those eyes where she's like, ugh. And then she's. She's mean girl Val when she says mm-hmm. uh, they can work miracles with an airbrush. Oh, like, damn, Val. But honestly, this whole scene is just Valerie. Like, she's not mm-hmm. putting on airs for anybody. She's like, oh, yeah, I know French film. Like, I took a yeah. film history class. And also sometimes I'm a bitch. Yeah, exactly. Like, I just, uh, I love the scenes where Val doesn't hide herself. I also do love the scenes where Val just like flips that switch without anything. And it's so realistic. I just love Well, we get one later. Yeah. We totally get conniving Val later. We just also have somebody who sees right through it. (laughs) I love it. So So on the way there (laughs) to that point that we're talking about, we get actually kind of a cute scene. It's yeah. Ray, Donna, Claire, and David. And I wrote Dylan in my notes and got real confused for a second. 
uh, typo. Um, but they all show up to the pee pad in what looks like a double date, which it isn't. But then we get like cute conversation about Ray asking David how his mom's doing. And like, I think I wrote down, is Ray actually being nice? Um, I wrote that. I said, apparently Ray is being less mean. Yeah, it's weird. Um, and David makes a comment about how Portland, or sorry, Donna makes a comment of how Portland had a big effect on all of them, um, meaning herself, David, you know, I'm sure Mel, David's mom, all of that, Ray mm-hmm. as well. Um, but at this point, Claire and Donna are talking and David and Ray had kind of moved up a little bit. And Claire suggests that they go on a double date and Donna pretty much just laughs at her. <laughs> yeah. But then David and Ray turn around and are like, you know what? We should go on a double date. And it's a little adorable. It's so cute. Like, considering the past couple episodes and, like, frankly, this entire season where Ray is like, I don't like your friends. I don't like your family. I don't want to spend time with any of these people Mm -hmm. to opening himself up to a double date. Like, that's honestly huge. Yeah. A hundred percent. And the fact that like, you know, we saw what we saw last week in Portland um, with, you know, all the stuff, the pro- the problematic stuff we saw between Ray mm-hmm. and Donna and how Donna said that they're fine, you know, which was that scene that we didn't get to see. Mm-hmm. But I think it's just really interesting that at least David is trying because we also saw David and Claire kind of reconcile last episode. So there's a little bit of happiness going around um, between the couples. And it's kind of nice to see David and Donna working as friends um, just because there was that weird period of time where David was still into Donna and Donna's with Ray. So it's nice to see. Yeah. it. Now that you have mentioned what happened in Portland – because I guess I just put it out of my mind for this. I'm starting to think this is kind of still like signs of abuse where like he has mm. been the bad guy and is now being like complete swing of the pendulum to being like really nice to her, really nice to her friends to kind of lull her into a sense of safety. Because even later in this episode, he snaps at her a little bit at the club. Yeah, for sure. So now I just feel like I'm on edge. Like I think that's on purpose that they're like – he can turn on a dime and no one should feel safe. Well, and I think too, to that point, like kind of lulling all of us to a sense of of um, false security or false safety or whatever. Then if Donna sees more actions of Ray being nice and, and good with her friends, then when he does flip that switch and snap, she'll think, oh, this is so unlike him. You know, like mm-hmm. this has only happened twice in the entire time we've been together. This isn't him. Um, So she'll think it's isolated rather than a pattern. Yeah. And like I kind of was thinking that later in this episode too when like things come to light. We'll get there when we get there Mm -hmm. because we have to go back to Dylan and Charlie and Dylan is pushing for this low budget film at which point Charlie says, well, then we should cut your paragliding scene. And Dylan is like, no, no, it is pivotal to the plot. It has to be there. It is sequentially essential meaning there's a reason for the order like it happens in the movie to make a difference (laughs) nothing like some meaningful paragliding yeah i've never felt more seen (laughs) (laughs) what if it's like a paragliding soliloquy but they have made it very particular like he has to have these epiphanies in air like he has to be going over the forest and he's like the trees (laughs) 
the trees are, are like, ooh, maybe he recovers a past life while he's flying mm. because he used to be like a parachuting person. A or fire something. a fighter pilot paratrooper like Brenda. <laughs> oh my god, I could only hope that we get more of those flashback dream sequences and it's Dylan this time. Oh my gosh. Now I just really want Brenda's jumping out of a plane dream to be a past life regression. Same with her right. race car dream. Yes. Like seriously, what if Dylan called her and was like, I've started learning about past lives and I did this and this. And she was like, oh, I also learned about past lives and I was in World War II. <laughs> I would love it. But what I think is going to happen, or at least like, I don't know, but this is just a a fun theory. The compromise so that they can keep the paragliding as well as the threesome is that whoever the main character is, is going to go through this like spiritual reincarnation experience while paragliding where he lands right into a threesome. (laughs) I was waiting for you to say he had the threesome in the air. No, no, that's unsafe. He can land safely. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and encounter a threesome. Oh, I didn't know I'd be landing here. <laughs> Just makes me think of the Simpsons episode where Homer accidentally falls into Alex Baldwin and Kim Basinger's house into their bed. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the Simpsons have done everything. Of course they have. But this is the point where Donna comes into the peach pit and mentions that she knows that Val convinced Ray to come back, which is what we were talking about earlier of... Ray makes this big deal that Donna doesn't know, but Donna very clearly knows, and then everyone just acts normal. Right, because I was watching, like, when I was hearing Donna say all this, I was, I backed it up a little bit, and then I keyed in on Ray's face to see if anything changed. Nope, he was just good. No, it doesn't. <laughs> like, I don't know if this means that they're amazing actors or that they're horrible <laughs> actors in that, like, he didn't have any, like, glimmer of something where he's like, oh, she knew. Sometimes I wonder how much of the full script every cast member reads. Because if you're somebody like Ray, who's not in every scene with every character all the time, or you stick to certain people, you know, like like right now, he's clearly entrenched with David, Don, and Claire and his mom, obviously. Mm -hmm. And I could see him, Jamie Walters, just reading the parts of the scenes that he's in, you know, or like just those scenes as opposed to the entire, like he doesn't need to know that Brandon's in Sacramento meeting other student body presidents. But at the same time, that might be good to know if he ever like has future scenes with Brandon or whatever. So I'm just curious at what point do they all read all of the script all of the time? Has Ray ever had a scene with Brandon? I don't think they've had words together. I don't think so either. Could be wrong. Could be wrong. Somebody fact check us on this. No one fact check us. That's not what this (laughs) podcast is for. So I always wonder, yeah, that kind of stuff of like, how much did he have access to? How much did he choose to read? How much of this is like quite literally Jamie Walter's character choice of like, I am just going to be a stone-faced Hedgehog. Nothing. Hedgehog. I mean, he's less of a hedgehog this episode, I think. He's definitely, the hedgehog has toned down, and I think it's partially because he has a personality now. Yeah. Yeah. So we're not just calling him a tiny little spiky ball. (laughs) 
<laughs> Lives in a pumpkin. But yeah, then we shift gears over to the beach apartment, and Kelly gets a phone call from somebody named Bill Shepard. We don't know who this guy is, but he's calling Kelly and wanting to get Kelly on another cover. And she's like, no, no, I'm not interested. Hangs up the phone, calls her mom, leaves a message yelling at her for giving her number out to this agency guy. Right. So she's all pissed because she clearly just wanted to be done with modeling um, Mm -hmm. for a couple of reasons that we've talked about. But then the gang comes in and by the gang, I mean, Donna, David, Claire and Ray, they come in, they offer her some food because they had just picked up food. But she's like, no, and goes into her room and like throws her cover against the wall. Mm -hmm. And then she has a flashback to the fire and her and Allison like being trapped in the bathroom. Yeah. You know, it's a very short scene. It like means a lot later. I don't think it means like I don't think there's much else to talk about in this moment. But I think this does very heavily impact the next Kelly scene. For sure. Yep. Yeah. So in between this and the next Kelly scene, we go to Andre and Jesse's apartment where Jesse is feeding Hannah and the phone rings. Andre goes to get it. She picks up. She's like, oh, Jesse, it's Judge Jimenez. And Jesse's like, no, 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 I'll take it. I'll like leave a message. I'm spending time with Hannah, which he's feeding her. That's not (laughs) spending time with her. That is something you can multitask. (laughs) I know. But then Andre is like, no, no, it is Judge Jimenez himself. So the judge is called to tell Jesse that he got the clerkship. They're good to go. Jesse's super excited. He hangs up. And Andrea, to her credit, is, like, pretty positive in the idea of, like, it's Boise, huh? Mm-hmm. Like, this is not Andrea from a couple episodes ago where she was, like, I will never move to Boise. Yeah, clearly they've been working on their issues. Um, they've been talking more, communicating more. I don't know. We don't know if they've been going to therapy or not. But, um, yeah, she's if- done a much better job of masking if it is masking or being genuinely happy about this would have been great to see them work through their issues rather than just be told that they have worked through their issues but it's fine Mm -hmm. whatever jesse starts a month from today so they have to start thinking about packing so then we go to kelly who's supposed to be meeting her mom for lunch and steve is there and jackie tells kelly she's like look I know you're upset. I pushed off every single person but that one guy that called you. Mm-hmm. And I'm personally mad because Kelly has repeatedly said no. Like, they're doing all of these things of, like, you'll thank us later kind of stuff. And that always makes me so angry. Like, you are not the one to tell me what's good for me. Right. Like, I'm pretty sure even Brandon, like, would have been totally fine with her not doing modeling because he's made it very clear that it's her choice, that it's up to her, is how she feels and all that. And that's what I didn't really understand. You know, like, Steve is supposed to be, I guess, giving off these supportive vibes and, like, I'm right next to you every step of the way if she feels uncomfortable. And Kelly even says, like, I'm already uncomfortable. I don't want to do this. Like, she clearly – very clearly says no and is not interested. So why are they pushing this so hard? And yeah, it's the only thing I can think of, like you said, you'll thank us later kind of situation. I think that's exactly what it is. And it makes me upset that it works out for them. Yeah, I know. 
this is not how she should be like healing emotionally. You can't 100%. just you can't just throw her into the deep end. Well, and this isn't a normal situation where she's just nervous about modeling or, you mm-hmm. know, she, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a, a good example here. Like it's very clearly because of a trauma, not because of just a, oh, I don't know, maybe I'm not going to be good enough. Like something like that, where sometimes you do need to push somebody in that right position or right, um, right direction goodness gracious to be able to do something this is very clearly like the reasons behind kelly not wanting to do this are psychological physiological uh traumatic like whatever you want to call it there's literal reasons for this not just an oh i need a push yeah and we have proven that like she and jackie have a really rough relationship when it comes to modeling Mm-hmm. And then, like, they throw in some weird stuff about Steve saying he wants 10%, but he'll be good with 0%, which, like, is not a good look for Steve. None of this looks good for him, but we've already accepted, like, Steve is just a racist asshole who's only in it for himself. Well, and to that point, Kelly is going to meet with an agent. So, therefore, she, just- she does not need... Steve as an agent. No, none of this makes any sense other than to put Steve in the episode. Yeah. Because then Kelly agrees that she'll do this. They tell her, oh, okay, the guy's right upstairs. This is not a lunch. This is a meeting, which is Mm -hmm. literally ambushing her and forcing her into this thing. Yep. And she tells them, she's like, I'm doing this for you, Steve. Why? Yeah. Yeah. There's literally no reason for her to do anything, you know, especially when it comes to her self-image for anybody else other than herself. But yet she feels because, you know, we've kind of established that Kelly is a perfectionist. She's a pleaser. She very clearly wants to make other people happy, even if that means that she suffers. And so she agrees to do this, not for herself, but for Steve, not even for her, for Jackie, for her mom, but for Steve, who has done exactly what to help her or to be there for her or to be nice to her. Pretty sure last time they spoke, he was insulting her. I think he's done one nice thing for her over five years. Yeah. Maybe. And I kind of want to, like, continue this, but we can go back to the Ray and Luann scene. But, like, they get out of the meeting, and Kelly thought this guy was great. Like, he clearly made a good impression on her. She was comfortable. He said that her scar was not noticeable, which this time she takes as a good thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Steve, like, goes all stage mom on her. It's like, I'm going to put you on five covers, like, blah, 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 and is pushing her to sign with him. Yeah, it was really weird. I just wrote question marks over this whole scene because then two little girls come up and ask Kelly if that's her on the Seventeen magazine cover. And I was like, that's like a 10-year-old. Yeah. Why would she do this? Why right. would she have noticed the one magazine and then this person, like, Kelly is modeled on one magazine. It's not like she's actually a famous person. It just felt really weird to me that they did this and then, like, those little girls just run away and that's it. Well, they almost look scared. <laughs> like, that's <laughs> you? And then they just run. Like, 
Yeah. But what? all of that, it was so jarring for them to see them run away. They get her pointed in the right direction to glance over at Dana, who we recall was mm-hmm. Allison's girlfriend from the fire. Allison was, so I said that so wrong. Allison was from the fire. Dana was Allison's girlfriend. And that's who Kelly sees. Yeah. And Kelly goes over, tries to say hi to her. Dana wants nothing to do with her. And the woman that Dana's with goes, that's Kelly Taylor. And then calls her Barbie. Yeah. I also, so I got to say, I really, I laughed when Dana and this other woman walk away and Kelly's like, yeah, Dana called me a couple of times, but I was busy being in a cult, so I didn't call her back. <laughs> yeah, you know, back when I was with Dr. Finley and stuff. <laughs> just just a throwaway line about that time I was in a cult for like six weeks. I'm glad she wasn't too traumatized by that because the fire was plenty. So at least she came out of the cult unscathed. <laughs> Such, did you ever think you would ever say that sentence out loud? Not really. <laughs> so, yeah, there's this little scene in between all the Kelly stuff where Luann has uh, gotten dressed. She's trying on outfits so that she can go see Ray at the club for the first time. And she comes out in this really fancy, like, swoopy outfit. Kind of reminds me of, like – uh the landlord's wife from Three's Company kind of a thing. Like, it's a very yeah. 70s outfit. It's also, do you remember, I'm going to make a full house reference, but do you remember, uh, it's from the later seasons, Mrs. Carruthers, who was obsessed with Joey's butt and yes. was also like a teacher or something, but was a was pretty much a neighborhood busybody. Yeah, She's always in I those like her. flowy, like, that's what this was. <laughs> I love the shimmy that you just – like, I feel like you have to (laughs) shimmy when you're in a flowy outfit like that. Well, and I'm pretty sure that's what Mrs. Carruthers did every time she saw Joey. (laughs) Like, your arms have to go up so that the swoopy sleeves go down everywhere and you got to move your whole body so that, like – You see what we're working with. Yeah, it's it's a a whole thing. (laughs) But the whole time that she's talking to Ray, she's holding this drink. And he's like, what is that? She says, it's grapefruit juice. And Ray is like – no individual person in this world <laughs> just drinks grapefruit juice. What else is in there? And she's like, okay, it's grapefruit juice with a little something extra or whatever she says. Yeah, because while Ray was gone, she got lonely and she had to have something to keep her company. And apparently that something was vodka, we'll say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not a good sign. Ray has a right to be concerned about this. Yeah. And so first she says she's – fine and she's gonna like we already heard her say she's gonna be on her best behavior and then she says she's gonna change into something less vivid her words not ours and then we get to the pee pad pretty much right after the kelly stuff and ray is watching from above and watching his mom specifically who did not change her outfit no and is also at the bar drinking so over two yeah and donna comes over she's trying to give him some food ahead of his set and he says I'm not hungry. What I need is for you to get rid of my mom. Mm-hmm. So Donna goes down the stairs. She finds Val. She's like, look, we need to get rid of Luann. Val is her perfect Val self, owner of this club, Valerie Malone, and is like, I'm going to take care of it. Tells the bartender with hand signals to cut Luann off and literally says, 
do you want to ruin this for your son? Which to a person who, in Luann's case, doesn't perceive her to be ruining anything and is just having a good time or whatever you want to call it, that's exactly what she needs to hear, right? She doesn't Mm -hmm. need somebody to like babysit her or kind of like um, walk on eggshells around her. She probably needs somebody to just tell her to her straight up. But the problem is not what she said, it's who said it. Because mm-hmm. she literally calls Val a viper. She this is the first of like four insults. Yes. That she throws her away. I wrote them all down. Don't you guys worry. But Viper's the first one. Yeah. Because then Donna comes over and tries to be really nice about it, which like is not working. She goes to find David and Claire to give her a ride home. And David and Claire do that. They like scoop her up they're both underneath her arms taking her out and then Luann calls Valerie a bossy little tramp and then she calls her a cheap little slut and low rent trash and just in this one conversation there's four insults a viper bossy little tramp cheap little slut and low rent trash my word the mouth I, on this woman. I don't remember after which one it happened, but Luana's like, I should go tell that to her face. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's drunk Luann is a mood and it's not good. Like we have been told and I have no doubt in my mind that drunk Luann is not good. Right. Exactly. But, man. She like, what, what does Claire say later in Vino Veritas? Like, yes, she is. Luann has no filter. None whatsoever. Um, and speaking of no filter, literally at this point, she's rattled off all these insults to Valerie or at, at Valerie for Valerie, whatever preposition, just not <laughs> actually to Valerie. And all of a sudden, just casually lets it slip. She's probably in there right now trying to put the make on him. First of all, it is 1995. Do we still use the word make it? The phrase make it as sex, because apparently we do. Apparently, I I mean, to be fair, I'm pretty sure the writers were using it in like 1993, so they probably just never retired it. True. Good point. But yeah, she just casually lets it slip that Ray and Val slept together once or twice in the past. Yeah. And Claire and David are not dumb. Valerie came into their lives after Donna and Ray were to get like The two, Donna and Ray, have been together the whole time that Ray and Valerie have both been in their lives. Yep, exactly. So, you know, they get Luann in the car. They go to drive her home. We go back into the peach pit on the peach pit side, not the pee pad side. And off screen, Andrea has told Nat that they're moving to Idaho. On screen, Nat asks Andrea if there is med school in Idaho. And Andrea replies, why should I be a doctor when I can be a potato farmer or a couch potato? So clearly Andrea is not super thrilled about going to the spud state. I'm sorry, the gem state. Excuse me. (laughs) And, okay, so we kind of talked about this off mic. I did Google and Boise State does not have a med school as of 2021. Mm. But they do have a pre-med program. And so I feel like Andrea has an option for at least a little while. Yeah. So, I mean, 
it would be a huge deal like to put a transfer in this late in the year is big and then like they don't know how long they'll be in Idaho she can't guarantee that she'd be able to go to a med school nearby I understand Mm -hmm. but it feels like you know we did take all these steps forward with Andrea where like she wants to go to med school she's realized she's been unhappy with everything that's happened she and Jesse are working on their relationship and now she's just going to put it all on pause again to make the relationship work and like we can clearly tell that she's unhappy with Nat but she's not telling Jesse any of this. Right, exactly. And and my thought too is like you're right. We don't really know how long Jesse's clerkship is and how long they would realistically be in Idaho. I mean, she has at least two more years of undergrad and that's you know, like you said, if the transfer goes through smoothly, which probably mm-hmm. wouldn't. So she might have other classes to complete, but I was just thinking like surely there's some sort of med school in Idaho. Like there has to be, right? But Maybe it's not Boise, but I I don't know. So I didn't look that up. But it's just, it seems like Andrea is once again putting her dream on the back burner, but not communicating about it. And that's what we're not seeing, right? That's the problem Mm -hmm. here. Yeah. And it's, it's very upsetting. And we don't even get to see more of this conversation because, like, Nat is looking at Andrea like, I know what's happening here. You're mm-hmm. not saying it, but I know what's happening. But then Donna comes in to be like, okay, everybody, Ray's going to be on stage. And then we go to the pee pad and Val is welcoming Ray back. And I really thought that in this moment when Ray walks on stage and I'm watching Paramount Plus <laughs> that I'm going to see Ray Pruitt perform. Nope, we cut away. <laughs> I was so mad. I mean, he had a resounding round of of applause here. Like, the crowd was so excited to see him, as were we. And just all the way on stage. Literally all the way on stage. Like, I swear to God, he was about to strum a chord. (laughs) And then it cuts away, and Claire has finally gotten Luann into bed. And... (laughs) That's it. We don't see it. I can't believe we didn't see it. We got teased. This time, like other times, we see it after he's done, right? So it's like, okay, we didn't really get teased or anything. This time we were straight up teased. This is the definition of edging. Oh my God. (laughs) Has it taken, what, a hundred and how many episodes to get us to make an edging reference? (laughs) I'm genuinely amazed. And but it happened. At least we get like a pretty decent scene afterwards, I guess. Because yeah, Claire was trying to get Luann to bed. She walks out of the house. She says in vino veritas. And David, I might go ahead and reveal that this is probably my quote of the week. When David's like, Claire, I really hate it when you speak French. <laughs> and she just responds, it's Latin, David. Like she they this is moment where their chemistry actually works in their favor because she probably knew he he didn't know what language she was speaking and so she's just a matter of fact afterwards like is latin david and then moves on completely it's amazing i do kind of hope in the future she says something and then immediately cuts him off and is like latin yeah exactly latin exactly but she ends up telling him that 
they can't tell Donna about what happened to Ray and Valerie. And you can see David's face. Like, he's not happy about this idea. Mm -hmm. But if they have any sort of argument of we have to tell Donna she's our friend, we never see it. Yeah, at the very least, we see both of their heads like wheels spinning, trying to think, well, gosh, this is kind of an impossible situation. What do we do? Because Donna's our friend. We don't really care about Ray, but we know what impacts this would have, you know, should we tell her. Mm -hmm. But we cut away from them. We get to Dylan's house where we find out tonight was supposed to be the night they watch, uh, was it Jules and Jim? Mm -hmm. But Valerie is busy at the club and... This is when Charlie reveals to Dylan that he was hoping they would all have sex together, which is just quite a revelation for your friend to tell you of, I was hoping you and I would get naked together tonight. <laughs> and only have a woman between us. I'm like, oh, and I do appreciate Charlie being like, you're probably a disgusting old man in your other lives, so you can't give me shit. And Dylan literally is like, doesn't give him shit. I think that's the thing I appreciate. The, uh, goodness. That is the thing I appreciate about this scene. Because there's so much stigma. Not even just about threesomes. But specifically two men and one woman. Woman. Mm -hmm. Threesomes. Because the guys typically don't want anything to do with each other. Right? Like there's been such a toxic. I guess it's toxic masculinity around. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, like threesomes, including two men, because, you know, they're so afraid of being even remotely associated with gay or bisexual or is there even bisexuality in men and like all that nonsense. And it's so common and I guess commonplace for there to be threesomes, including two women, um, because society has told us that that's OK, that's hot, that's, you know, whatever and so I kind of appreciate that Dylan is just like, for as conservative and traditional as we've seen him this episode, it's kind of nice that he doesn't really react to Charlie being like, yeah, I kind of thought we'd all have sex together. He's not like, the fuck? You know, he's just yeah. very even killed. Like, you're kind of gross, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I love how much he's just like, I mean, we're still going to watch the movie. Right. He's like, we're just going to go about our time just minus the girl. <laughs> Seriously, to your point, like, toxic masculinity has ruined so many things. Like, you watch episodes of Friends, which is, like, one of the most well-known TV shows of all time, and you're just like, oh, my God, Ross is so homophobic. It's terrifying. Ross is homophobic, but then Chandler and Joey love each other unconditionally. Like, you, you see the moments, especially early on in the show, which is where I am in my rewatch, which I haven't press play on that re that rewatch in a while. But Chandler and Joey constantly do things to and say things to each other that they're like, wait a minute. That was weird. But like not in a homophobic way, but almost like, huh, <laughs> you know, like, hmm, interesting. Moving on. <laughs> and and yeah, it's very refreshing to see like a Dylan and Charlie or a Joey and Chandler when like so many other things, especially from, you know, let's say 19, when you American Pie come out, 1998 to like 2021 mm -hmm. that are just horrible. And like Charlie says this thing and is like, don't call me weird. And Dylan's like, okay, I won't. Do you want to watch this movie? 
Yeah. Like, how refreshing must that be for Charlie? Which I don't know how his personality really is when it comes to friend, having friends and making friends and keeping friends. But how refreshing would that be to just be able to be your authentic self in front of somebody and then just, cool. All right. Keep going. Yeah. That's so refreshing. I I talk about that in therapy a lot is how it takes so much work for me to fully feel like I can just be me and say whatever I want. I mean, within reason, you know what I mean? But like say whatever I want, do whatever I want, be however I want and feel comfortable in that my friends are going to accept that and just, yep, you know, give me a big thumbs up and move on. So yeah, I feel like the scene was so huge, but it was so under the radar for the entire episode. Yeah, because it literally ends there. Like, mm-hmm. they're just cool, and they go off and they watch their movie, and you hear, like, the intro on the VHS, which I do love. At one point, the Dylan's like, we can still watch this movie without Val. We got the VHS player. We got the TV. <laughs> We're good. Yeah. He's not even thinking <laughs> about what Charlie might be suggesting. But yeah, it literally just ends there. Like, it's it's kind of wonderful that this is just such a nothing scene, even though we made it a thing and we talked about it a lot. Like, presumably, they just watched the movie. They're going to talk about it in the frame of the screenplay. And then Mm -hmm. Charlie's going to go home and they're going to hang out tomorrow or next week. Yeah. Maybe they'll keep in the threesome after they watch this, right? Like, who knows? Maybe they'll take out the paragliding. Who knows? Maybe they'll compromise and do paragliding into a threesome, like I suggested. I really hope they paraglide into the threesome. I want nothing (laughs) more. So, man. Yeah, there's also this thing where when Valerie doesn't show up, Charlie's like, oh, well, we could call Kelly. And Dylan is like, why would you make it weird like that? And Charlie's like, you're making it weird by not getting over Kelly. Yeah, and like not even just not getting over Kelly, but blatantly calling out Dylan and saying, it's very obvious that Valerie is your second fiddle here. I think he says second place or something like that. So Charlie almost gets on to Dylan for not fighting for Kelly, right? Like not pursuing that and trying to get the girl. If this is really who he's hung up on, go get her. Like stop pouting and hanging out with somebody you don't really want to be hanging out with. Yeah. And that gives us our segue into Kelly is calling Brandon at his hotel in Sacramento, which I love that we see him open the door and he is talking to the other student body presidents like, (laughs) yeah, I'll see you later. Like we're all best friends. Everyone already loves Brandon Walsh. We don't even need to see it. We just know everyone loves Brandon. I love it so much. And he picks up the phone and Kelly and him are talking and he mentions that he just got back from a scintillating symposium on multiculture and you. And then he says that the majority of student presidents think they're the smartest person in the room. Present company excluded, right? Of course. I want an episode that is just... Brandon and the other student body presidents. Totally. And I actually feel like this is Brandon's chance to really nerd out on this stuff because he seems like a big conference guy, you Mm -hmm. know, like (laughs) in corporate America, wherever he is next, because we all know he's not actually going to be a politician, but he'll be in leadership of some sort at a fortune, I don't know, 500, 1000 company, who knows, corporate America at, at minimum. And he's going to get invited or at least asked to go 
to the company's like conference out in pick a place on the map and he's gonna be like yeah i want to go and he's gonna get all the free stuff from the other vendors that are there he's gonna take notes with the pin that he got from one vendor on the notepad that he took from the other vendor <laughs> he is big conference guy <laughs> he's gonna love the stress balls oh yes and the tote bag you got to put everything in the tote bag so when i was younger my dad was a consultant and he was a healthcare consultant. So he would always go to all these healthcare conferences and he would take all the free stuff because I loved <laughs> the stress. Because the stress balls would be like in the shape of a liver or a heart Ooh. or a lung. Or there was one year, I don't know where he got this. He would just like come home and have the tote bag and give it to me. And I had so much stupid branded drug company stuff <laughs> as a kid. <laughs> But this one year he went and he got like a little tiny model of a human torso and it was like all technicolor of like all of the uh, veins that run through your torso and everything. Ooh. It was the coolest thing I've ever gotten ever. <laughs> and it was just I don't like need an giveaway. iPad. <laughs> As a child, I was very simple. I wanted stress balls. Dude, that actually does sound pretty cool. I was I feel like every kid goes through that phase where they're really into the human body, you know, like anatomy, like ooh, guts, you know, but also like <laughs> veins and how does the brain work and reflexes and all this kind of stuff. I had this really awesome book growing up of the human body and it folded out into like a 5-foot like scale paper pop-up oh skeleton gosh. with the organs and you could like flip stuff up and look at everything it was so fucking cool and I really <laughs> hope my mom still has it because I want it back that's awesome and at this point you could fold it out and it would be your size it would be you basically <laughs> oh my god adorable but yeah that's totally gonna be Brandon and you know 10 years in the future, he and Kelly are going to have a five-year-old that gets real interested in the stress balls and the stupid pencils with the clicky, like the clicky pencils that had four different colors. Yes, 100%. That kid's going to be so into all that stuff. And Brandon's going to be the cool dad that comes home and just like opens his briefcase and it's just <laughs> full of pads of paper. The kid's going to be like, dad, what'd you bring me? And it's not going to be a souvenir from whatever city he was in. It's going to be all the souvenirs from the conference he was at. I could not tell you any city that my dad has ever been to as a consultant. <laughs> exactly. But I remember my stress ball collection. I had like 50 stress balls. They were very popular in healthcare consulting in the 90s. Yeah. It's like you remember the AstraZeneca stress ball and the like Zizol pen or whatever. <laughs> the little like triangle highlighters that had three different colors and would Ooh. say the drug company on it. Yeah. Yep. Or the pins that had the little like rotating thing that you could spin and it would say like the different phrases. <laughs> but yeah, so Brandon is loving his life. He's living his best life at the um, scintillating symposium. And th at this point, Kelly is starting to talk to Brandon about wanting to go visit Allison in the burn clinic since she hasn't visited her since she left. And also after her run in with Dana and Dana's person that she was with. Um but I actually really relate to Kelly in this moment because she she's at the point now where she's thinking, well, this might turn into a JoJo song and be too little too late here. Mm -hmm. And I really I, like I get that because there probably is a threshold, you know, like a period of time where it's cool to go see her 
But now it's like, ooh, did I make an enemy? You know, like, it, am I a bad friend here? Um, and Brandon just kind of goes along with it, right? He's like, okay, go. And then he's like, okay, don't go. Like, Nate does this all the time and it bugs the crap out of me. But at least Kelly calls um, him out and is like, well, first you tell me to go. Then you tell me not to go. It's no wonder you've become a politician. <laughs> I just, they're just so cute. Mm-hmm. Like, it's weird that, yeah, this conversation starts with a scintillating symposium on multiculture and you and ends in Kelly deciding to go visit Allison in the hospital. Yeah. And so before she does that, because now we do like kind of a back and forth again with the Ray and Donna story and the Kelly story. We go back to the pee pad. Ray's show has gone really well. And Valerie wants to take a photo to commemorate the night the club came back from the dead. And I didn't really write anything down from this scene except for when Nat runs, he gets the camera and then he comes back and he's like, oh yeah, that looks good. Oh yeah, you guys are great. Just total stage dad. Total stage dad. And then you see Claire and David in the background just like wide-eyed staring at them, like written all over the faces. We know what you did because they're seeing Ray, Val, and Donna pose for a picture. And especially when Nat asked them to pose like kissing Ray on the cheek. Yeah. And they're just sitting there like, oh no. And Claire even says, she's like, David, you have to do something about this. Yep, exactly. And he's like, well, why does it got to be me? Well, and they kind of realize they're like, we can't do anything about this. But then both of them are like, but we're going to do something about this. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. So the next day, Kelly has driven all the way out to the burn hospital to go visit Allison. And Allison is, quote unquote, in one of her moods and refuses to see anyone. And the Mm -hmm. nurse is like, you can't see her right now. Kelly says she'll wait. The nurse is like, you're going to be waiting a really long time and this is awkward and you should just leave. Yeah. So Kelly does leave and somehow goes to Dana's house, which is always weird to me how people just know where other people live. Again, it's the dang yellow pages. She just remembered her last name, I guess, and looked her up and her address didn't change. (laughs) And so she and Boomy go to Dana's house. Yep. And then Boomy waits outside like a gentleman (laughs) while (laughs) Kelly comes in to sit down and wait. I actually kind of loved all the sass in this scene that we got between Dana and um, Kelly because clearly they don't really like each other. Um, And, you know, Kelly doesn't really know why Dana doesn't like her, but she just kind of vibes with it. She's like, okay, you can call me Barbie. Um, And then they start talking about Allison a little bit. Um, This is also when we find out some, some important information that Mm -hmm. in December after the fire, Allison broke up with Dana and Kate, who is the person that Kelly saw Dana with, is her lover, as she calls her. I was expecting, I'm glad it didn't go this way, but my mind went to like Dana and Kate are our lovers because Allison like had her own body image issues and stuff. So she mm-hmm. wasn't there sexually, so but was cool with an open relationship or something. Yeah. No, I I kind of really appreciate this idea that. Allison broke up with Dana because after this fire, she thinks she's in love with Kelly because it really goes back to like trauma bonding and like Mm -hmm. the traumatic experience that 
Kelly and Allison have been through and that like Dana just couldn't be there in the way that Allison needed her to be because she was literally not in the fire. Right. And Kate tells Kelly this. Kelly clearly gets a look on her face of like, this is huge news to me that I had no idea about. And I loved Kate being like, can I get you that tranquilizer now? Yeah. I also think it's like kind of good on Allison for breaking up with her when she realized she had feelings for somebody else. We never see that, right? Like we've seen cheating a million times over like we've talked about, but we've never seen and, and technically we haven't still seen it because we didn't see this breakup. But Allison broke up with Dana once she realized she had feelings for Kelly. Instead of prolonging the relationship, potentially cheating, even emotionally cheating, she's like, nope, I can't do this anymore, and ended it. Like, that's so respectful. Yeah. And like, and respectable. Yeah. And Dana moved on. She's with Kate now. It's a little uh, immature to talk shit about Kelly after the fact. Like, for Kate to right. be like, that's Kelly Taylor. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, honestly, other than that, it goes fairly well. Yeah, it goes about how you would expect. Yeah. So, you know, while Kelly is doing all of this stuff, Claire and David have both decided in their own ways how to handle the news that Ray and Valerie slept together. David goes to Ray's house, and Ray thanks David for bringing his mom home, offers him something to drink, and David's like, this is not a social call. Mm -hmm. I know what you did. And Ray's like, how did you know that? And when David says, your mother told me, Ray doesn't fight it. He's like, yeah, Luann. Luann would do that. I just hate that now they can bond over having both screwed over Donna. Honestly, it made me really upset that Ray was like, I regret what I did. She just came on to me so strong. Like, you know how that happens. And David's literally like, yeah, I know exactly how that happens. Exactly. That's what I mean. It's like now they have a shared experience of messing with a girl they claim to love. And very specifically, Donna. And then, mm-hmm. like, David tolerates this literally because he did the exact same thing. Exactly. I mean, he does threaten Ray and says, like, if it happens again with anybody, not just Valerie, you know, he's going to be watching him and he's going to do something, I guess. Yeah. And he goes to leave and Ray goes inside to yell at his mom, which like kind of fair, but also just don't cheat on your girlfriend. But then Luann yeah. gave him the advice. Yeah. It's I messy. Know. It's a whole thing. And similarly, we're back at the pee pad where Claire comes into Val's office. Also, Boomy has made the cross cr- trek trip back to he Val's office. Running. He running. just running across town. He just wanted all the gossip. That's what he wanted. He wanted the juicy, hot goss and then to get out to find the next juicy, hot goss. But anywho, so Val's all excited about her new answering machine that features Ray Pruitt or whatever. And Claire's like, you know, I don't get it. And this... This is Claire at her finest because we know Val to be sassy, but she's more manipulative and tactful. Claire's just blunt. And I love this about her. She says, you know, you've got the money, the looks, the attitude. Why did you have to go after the one guy that Donna Martin is in love with? And then we get a classic Val scene 
where she tries to malone claire and just straight up denies it like she even says is the glue uncapped here <laughs> which is runner up for quote of the week and i love like i love she truly tries to malone claire and then claire arnold's her and it's just like <laughs> oh you thought you were in charge here right i'm in charge yeah she's just like no no you can't pull one over me i know the facts stay away from ray this could not have happened the other way around. Claire could not have gone to Ray and David could not have gone to Valerie. It had to be Claire goes to Valerie and David goes to Ray. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah. So both of them have been threatened. They both know that their secret is technically out. And then we go back to Andrea and Jesse's house where we have not seen Jesse in a while. <laughs> When last we saw Jesse, he was excited about moving to Boise. So he comes home, and Andrea is researching Boise. She's still, you know, learning about the gem state and the potatoes and everything. And he's like, no, no, we're not going. He says that he and Judge Jimenez had this heart-to-heart, and they decided that Boise wasn't right because there was no med school. And Andrea is thrilled. And... The three of us are sitting here like, you know, it would have been great is if the two of them had had a conversation about Andrea's future and med school rather than just making decisions without talking to each other. And it just to that point, I think it felt it falls flat, right? Like it just isn't as impactful. I'm not meeting Andrea at her level. I'm not meeting Jesse at his level because it just doesn't feel like anything's really been accomplished right like Mm -hmm. this really doesn't feel like a compromise it sounds like jesse's just throwing away his opportunity to meet andre's opportunity but they never came to a decision that that together that that would be the route they go yeah so we still have yet to be seen if they even do come to a decision like that like does Mm -hmm. he have other options and did he say no to judge jimenez without knowing if anybody else was going to accept him like i feel like you wait to turn down offers until you're mm-hmm. sure no other offers show up. Yeah, who knows? So after we see Jesse and Andrea, um, Kelly is we're, is seen talking to Jackie, saying why she declined, going with the agent, um, and all of that. And she hangs up the phone, whatever. She says she's itchy, which is just, you know, it's made to think it's just a side comment, like doesn't matter. But Donna's like, well, yeah, because you don't let your skin breathe, you dumb dumb. But it's mm. said from love and you can tell because then she like giggles afterwards and they're they're fine. This isn't this isn't fighting words. Um, but then the phone rings and who should it be but Allison? Yeah. And Kelly says, I'm going to take this in my room. Which sorry, I just want it to happen. (laughs) I mean, we are literally we are inching there. Allison's in love with Kelly. We want it to happen. We just need Kelly to realize that maybe Brandon isn't all there is in the world. Sure, and just be honest about it. It's okay, Kelly. Be be your true self. It would be fine. (laughs) But so, Allison ends up telling her she's apologizing. She's like, "I'm so sorry." that you drove all this way to see me and that I wouldn't see you, you know, when the pain gets really bad, I get in a mood and that's not really acceptable. I apologize. Mm -hmm. And they start talking and it's just like all these like 
wonderful things that Allison is telling Kelly. Like, she's like, you should pursue modeling. You're beautiful. Like, this is a gift that's been given to you. You should use it. And then she tells Kelly that she doesn't have any ill will towards her. And she only has one more skin graft. And then she'll be good. And then they can hang out. And, like, the most positive reaction that I could have expected. Oh, totally. I mean, because last time we saw Allison, she was covered head to toe in bandages. She was not wanting to have anything to do with Kelly. She was in a very bad place, rightfully so. Totally get it. So not only hearing her voice, but then, you know, anytime we have the camera on Allison, obviously she's turned away, but the camera's like slowly pushing in the entire time. And all we really see are her eyes and a little bit of her skin beneath her eyes. But she's definitely in a much better place, even though she does have these bouts where the pain is just unreal. Still can't even imagine what that feels like. That's got to be some of the worst pain ever, especially skin grafts. But um, yeah, she's still super positive. She's trying to lift Kelly up, despite the fact that she was not near as severe, severely burned as Allison was, um, and still wants to chat because I guess she still has feelings for her. Yeah, it was honestly really adorable Mm -hmm. and like I'm not mad about it I kind of really liked it same and especially because then it empowers Kelly after they hang up the phone to take her bandage off like to realize okay maybe I don't have as many burn scars here as I thought or or maybe it's not as bad or she just feels good enough to hear from somebody who has been in her shoes that she's on the mend so now she has permission to feel like she can be fully healed now too I had this weird thought that Kelly is almost like more afraid of not having the scars be as prominent as they are and having people tell her that they're not that visible because it feels probably to her like, here, it doesn't even look like you've been through anything when she's been through something that's really fucking huge and life-changing. Yeah. It's like she needs the validation of the scars to like prove to people that this was a really traumatic experience. Yeah. Yeah. And well, it feels and like Allison's kind of given her permission to just let go and move on kind of. Yeah. That's exactly how I took this scene was just Allison, a person who was not only with Kelly in the actual worst thing that happened to them, but having come out the other side, feeling okay, being positive, saying good things, but knowing that her burns were far, far worse, you know, just almost gives Kelly the whole appreciation, you know, a little bit that she wasn't burnt as badly, but also that if Allison can overcome this, so can she. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to that point, the final scene we get the next morning, we're back at the Walsh's house. Cindy is making a ton of pan, a ton of waffles like I expect her to. Mm-hmm. She and Brandon are having a whole conversation about see you. I don't care. Whatever. <laughs> and then Kelly comes over and there's like eight copies of 17 on the table. And Brandon says that when the other student body presidents found out that his girlfriend was a cover girl, that they demanded autographed copies of 17. This is really painting a strong picture of what these other presidents look like. <laughs> well, and I just love so much that she sits down to do it and Jim's like while you're there can I have one too and also for Brenda (laughs) love a good Brenda mention 
And like, I'm sorry, Kelly, you should have already sent a Seventeen magazine. Totally, totally. But while she is signing all of this stuff, this is when Brandon realizes that she's not wearing that bandage anymore. And this is when she says, "I don't need it." Mm Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, emotional healing and growth and love for Kelly Taylor and. I would not have wanted this episode to end any other way. Totally agree. Because it was, it, you know, I was a little off kilter a bit earlier in the episode thinking like, okay, where are we? This almost felt like a filler episode to some degree. We did get mm-hmm. a little bit of forward momentum with somebody else finding out about Ray and Val. And then, of course, Kelly's modeling story. But I was just like, where, where is this going to end? It felt like it was going to be another one of those just ends episodes. But... Mm-hmm. Yeah, the fact that it ends on a positive note when the whole episode, it's been pretty um, negative, at least on the Kelly side, that felt, it felt like progress, honestly. I know. I loved it. Like, yeah, it was like a nothing episode, but also a good episode. I don't know. It was just good. I just love, I love that it ended well for Kelly. Kelly has had some rough stuff Mm -hmm. recently. I mean, she was in a fire and a cold. Now I just need something to get ha- good to happen to Donna, and we can end the season. Mm-hmm. Wrap it all up. Yep. I feel that. So it, your quote of the week, is it the Envino Veritas? Come on, Claire. You know I don't like it when you speak French. You know why I liked it so much? Because it reminds me of Anchorman when Baxter is barking. <laughs> Ron Berg, you know yeah, come on, Baxter. You know I don't speak Spanish. You d- you pooped in the refrigerator and you ate the whole bad. meal of cheese. I'm impressed. <laughs> that's what it made me think of. I think that's why it's my favorite. I feel like the only other thing I would have guessed, which I can't decide if it would count as like a quote of the week guess or a moment of the week guess, would be the Seventeen magazine cover, where it was like, "Ouch, when your boyfriend dates your best friend." Oof. Gosh, that is such a good detail, and I really wish I had paused it to, like, actually read the words on it. It just didn't occur to me to do it because I don't feel good today. But, um, yeah, my moment of the week was Boomy's never-ending quest for the tea. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, seriously, I swear, like, he went to Dana's house with Kelly, and then Dana wasn't there, and he was like, you go inside. I'll be outside, and then booked it back to L.A. He booked it home. He was like, there's something else. My spidey senses are tingling. <laughs> oh, well, where will Boomy's adventures take us next week, Caitlin? Let's see. Boomy's going to head on over to season five, episode 29, and it's called The Real McCoy. That's a saying, and I don't remember what it means. Is that from a Western or something? It's the Hatfields and the McCoys. Is oh, the right, right, right. But then I feel like the real McCoy is something else. I don't know. Could be. But that's where Boomy might take us next week. Well, I guess we'll find out what that is. And until then, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Back2Podcast. You can also shoot us over an email of any of your thoughts, your questions, your comments, or your concerns over to Back2Podcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to go into your podcast app and rate, review, like, subscribe, share it with your friends and family. Uh, All those things really help us get seen. 
Um, they help us build a community. We really appreciate if you do it. And if you give us a five-star review, we'll give you a shout out on the podcast. And until next week from all of us at Back to Podcast, I'm going to go paraglide into a threesome. I'm grapefruit juice with a little something extra. I'm several well-thought-out and vicious insults from Ray's mom. Bye. Bye. See ya.